0: This message is brought to you by Living Faith Church. You can find us on the web at livingbyfaith.com. Grab your Bibles. And as you grab your Bibles, I'm just going to pray. But I want to tell you where we're going to be tonight. Tonight, we're going to be in Galatians 4, chapter 4, 1 through 7. And we're going to be in Psalms 139. It's all New King James. If you have any other version, that's fine. But I'm reading from the New King James. So Holy Spirit, we just thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your love. We thank you that there's there's everything so much better when you do it, God. So we just love you. We thank you for our day, whether our day was good, whether our day was bad, whether we never stopped moving today. (laughs) We just say, thank you, God, that we're alive. Thank you, God, that we're with you. Thank you, Jesus. And uh, for the first time ever, I have a title before <laughs> Ms. Lindy texts me tomorrow. Uh, it's, it's, the title is, We Are Already In. <clears throat> We're already in. If you have Jesus living inside of you, if you said yes to him, then you're already in. Isn't that good news? Yeah. Am I the only one that got really excited about that? How many of you guys like to work? Okay, good, good, good. Yeah, baby, go ahead. You like to work. Okay, cool, cool. That's good for you. How many of you guys like to work for the affection of Jesus? Yeah, that's about that. Good job, baby. Don't put that hand up. Yeah, there's, there's something about knowing that we already have the affection of Jesus. There's something about knowing that God is already very well pleased with us. There's something that, that just takes the load off of us and puts it back to the person that's supposed to be doing that. And it's Jesus. I was reading in Galatians 4, and I just want to give you some context here, uh, all of Galatians. So, what happened here was it was Paul, right? How many of you guys know Paul? Yeah? yeah? Okay, good. I like Paul. He's uh he's really cool, he's a man of power, a man of faith. And it was so funny because like in Galatia, the way the, the reason he ended up in, in the church of Galatia was he actually got sick. <laughs> I'm just going to leave that there, okay? So he got sick and and they started taking care of him. And if you read Galatians, the whole thing, it actually says that you took so much care of me that you would literally pluck out your eyes for me and put them in me if I needed them. And I'm like, man, these Galatians have such a good heart. They have a great heart. They're ready to go. They're ready to love people. No wonder they received Jesus. And what I love about Paul though, Paul though was that even though his circumstance were telling him that he was sick, he still preached the gospel of Jesus he was still able to impart Jesus to these Galatians and then started to get born again, receive Jesus in their hearts, to be part of the kingdom, to be in. We would call them believers. Can I say, can you guys say the word believers? Can you say, "I'm I'm a believer? Nice, let's go. So what ended up happening was he's with them. They're believers, they're in it. They understand they're not supposed to live by the law anymore because Jesus Christ came in and fulfilled the whole thing. That means that they're able to stand in the presence of God, just how we're able to stand in the presence of God right now. But then the world, the outside world started coming in and saying, "Uh uh-uh, you got it wrong. You have to work for this. You have to work for this grace. The fruits of the spirit, love, joy, peace, kindness, all of them, you have to work for it. And that's why Paul wrote this letter. And he said, guys, who fooled you guys? Who came in here and told you the opposite? You remember Jesus Christ? You remember what he did? He died. He paid the price. So you no longer have to live by the law. The, the thing is this, right? The whole point of Jesus coming in is that we're dependent on Jesus and not ourselves. We're dependent on Jesus and not the world. You know what another word for dependency means? And Paul actually wrote it in Galatians. It means sons. <laughs> it means that you are a son. If you depend on Jesus for everything, then you are a. If you depend on yourself, you are a. Oh, orphan, yeah, yeah, come on, that's so good. Another word that Paul uses in there is a slave. Yeah, a person that's in bondage, a person that has to throw their will and their choices to somebody else. And who knows us better than the father? So who are we supposed to be sons to? Who are we supposed to depend everything on? On God, yeah, you guys can talk, that's okay. Like God, that's a good thing, right? Unless you don't know, but you guys know. We're supposed to depend everything on God. That means that we're supposed to be sons of who? Sons of God. Okay. All right. Are you guys bored? Are you guys okay? I think it's really good that that we're supposed to be sons, that he calls us sons, that we're dependent on the spirit, not our works or our knowledge. Thank God, because even when we do our best, it falls short to the glory of God. But when we're sons, then we're allowed access to the glory of God. Isn't that beautiful? So that means everywhere that you go, you have access to the glory of God. Oh my gosh, that's so good. That means you have access to peace right here, right now. That means you have access to prosperity right here, right now. What that looks like for you is between you and your? Yeah, and he's, he's your? Your daddy, yeah, that's good. Your father, because you are a? Son. But what happens is that the world comes in and they're like, no, you're not a son. You're actually a slave. Pay your taxes, drive on 66, get stuck in traffic be mad. Don't be at peace. Send this email. Don't send this email. Why didn't you send this email? And then what gets applied? Stress. Does God bring stress on your life? No, but right there, right there. It's, it, we're just like the Galatians where the outside world comes in and they're like, you need to work for this rather than understanding that we're already in. I already told you the original word, word that Paul uses in Galatians for sons is, uh, actually, I always say it wrong, but it goes, we, os!" that's the word. And it means one who depends on another. And I'm going to ask you again, and who were we were born to depend on? Yay, good job. But then the outside world came in and wanted them to depend on their works, knowledge of the law, how well you perform or don't perform. Does this sound familiar to anybody? Raise our hands, be authentic. That's the whole point of that song. How many of us have heard and know what Jesus has done for us? Yet, when we go into the world, we allow them to tell us. An example, no, you can't be at peace. You need to finish your work first. Why not work from peace? For the Galatians, one example was holiness. And I love what Pastor Gavin says. He says, holiness is when you are made whole by God. But what the world was telling the Galatians when they were coming in, the the law, they were saying that you can't be whole unless you're circumcised first. But they kind of missed the whole picture. The whole purpose of the Old Testament and the law is to give you a picture of what God was actually doing in the spirit realm. So the purpose of circumcision was to show us that we're not unclean and that we belong to God. We had a sign for God. Isn't that good? That's awesome, right? Right? But the purpose of this graphic picture was to show what God did in our spirits with sin. He was getting rid of sin. He was cutting off sin from your hearts. You were no longer unclean. The sign was you belong to God. Isn't that beautiful? But what the world was saying was like, uh-uh, uh-uh. You can't just say it. You can't just act on it. You you have to show me. You have to work for this. You're not already in. And and to me, I just feel like the confusions that the Galatians must have had, because they're probably having encounters with this God, with Jesus. They're probably having breakthrough. And then someone comes in and they're like, no, that's all fake (laughs) because you're not circumcised. Right? Like we come here into this atmosphere and it's charged and it's like, okay, I have peace. I'm a confident person. I know what to do. And then we go out to the world and they're like, you're not really confident. And then rather than listening to our father, we listen to the world. And then we become slaves. Or bondage. Right? Rather than being free because we're already in. Is this too simple? Because to me it just broke, it just it just changed my life when I found that out. Okay, so um let me read Galatians four one. Are you guys ready? Okay, here we go. Galatians four one. Now I say that the heir, and I just want to say this, the word heir means a person who is entitled to the property or rank of another, but specifically on that person's death, who died for us? So we are heirs too? Yeah, because he died. Uh, literally when I read that word heir, I was like, man, I thought about uh, somebody in my life who's been my heir, who, who's leaving me something. And I was like, oh God, <laughs> I was like, I don't know about my mom. I don't know about my dad. If anything, I probably need to leave inheritance for them. And then I started thinking about my grandma and she's from uh, Central America. I love her so much. She's the best. Uh, she actually raised me since I was five in Guatemala. So I came here to the States when I was five. So her and I developed something called a relationship, say relationship. So due to this relationship where she was taking care of me, I literally did nothing for her except show up in overalls that she would buy for me right? That's it. I did nothing other than just be myself. And she said, I want to leave you something because of the love you poured into me, being yourself. Isn't that beautiful? And, and I love it because in the gospels, it talks about how much more can our father love us compared to our earthly father. And so my grandma was like, hey, this house that we live in, the house that you grew in since uh, when you were five, we had it for generations. Like her mom had it, her grandma had it. Her great grandma had it. And she's like, when I die, which is going to make me very sad. She's like, you get to have this house. Isn't that so good? Like, I I don't know. Inheritance is so good. I did nothing for it except be myself. And somebody that I build relationship with chose to give me a gift that I get to live in, but it's not mine. until she passes away and goes to be with Jesus in heaven. Right? The cool thing that I was thinking was like, man, it would be so cool. Once, uh, if my grandma were to die and then she would come back to life and then be like Jesus and live inside of me. And then she could tell me everything about my house. Isn't that cool? I don't have to depend on myself and my knowledge because I wasn't there for it. I have no idea. I have limited understanding, but my grandma has full understanding. She's been there for generations and generations. So she gets to come and tell me, Hey, I put that center block right there. You see this mud house. I built it with my blood, sweat, and tears. And then we add a drywall to it. You see that little uh, lollipop stand? Cause she has an ice cream stand in there. I used to go and get their free ice cream. I didn't know she made a deal with her that I, her grandson get to have free ice cream for the rest of my life. But it's really cool for her to be able to come in and share what she has done in this house. And then I thought, oh man, that's so sad. And Jesus was like, wait, what am I chopped liver? He was like, I died and I live inside of you. So now I get to tell you everything that you have in your inheritance. I get to tell you every detail and every every structure of the plan that I created. I can tell you every wall. I can tell you every crook and, and, and cranny. I can tell you why we did the roof the way that we did. Does Jesus not live inside of you? So is he not the one that's responsible for telling you what you inherited? But you need something called relationship in order to do that. And the exchange that you have with that person legally comes about something called confidence, but it's more than that. When it comes from God, that confidence is actually called faith. It's something that God is able to put inside of you that changes your identity. It changes your DNA. You hold on to that and you're like, well, God said that I am a peaceful person. So when you go out into the world, you're moving in faith and somebody comes and they're like, hey, you snapped at me. You're not peaceful. You get to be like, whoa, but God imparted this to me and he said that I'm peaceful But it takes relationship in order to do that. You have to be a son. You have to be somebody that's dependent on a father. Are you guys still okay? So in Galatians 4.1, now I say that the heir, a person who is entitled to the property or rank of another on that person's deathbed, as long as he is a child. I love this because I was like, what's the difference between a son and a child? Because he's going to say that later. A child here, the word he uses, untaught or unskilled. And I was like, man, that's so sad. Like, I want to be a skillful person. And God's like, you can't, but you need to be a son first. (laughs) As long as he is a child, a person who is untaught or unskilled does not differ at all from a slave, a person in bondage, though he is master of all, but is under guardians and steward into the time appointed by the father, by the who? Who? Even so we, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world. But when the fullness, say the fullness, of the time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoptions as sons. Say, I'm a son. And because you are a son, God has sent forth the spirit of His Son into your hearts. Crying out, Abba, Father. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, a person in bondage, but a son, a dependent on God. And if a son, then an heir, a person who is entitled to the property or rank of another person through Christ, through the relationship of Jesus. That means you're already in. Okay. Are you guys good? I just really want to give you context for this because the way that this scripture came alive in me and I started reading the context of what was going on was uh, I was trying to figure out everything that Pastor Gavin has been teaching about when it comes to the spirit and when it comes to the brain, right? When it comes to the mind and when it comes to the brain. And I've sat in his office quite a bit and I asked him lots of questions. You know, I'm like, what is the spirit? He's like, your spirit is your heart. It's your identity. I'm like, what is your brain? He's like, it's an organ. Now I'm like, my brain's an organ. Like, I don't understand. You know, I I was trying to figure that out. I'm like, is my brain not me? And he was like, no, your brain is an organ. And so I he could tell me everything he wants to tell me, but I have to go to the spiritual father, the one that knows everything about me, the one that knows how to communicate everything about me. If we go to Psalms 139. Hold on. I don't want to forget this. Are you guys ready? I love Psalms 139. Cause this helped me understand how God created me. So. Verse one, oh Lord, you have searched me and known me. That word search means to investigate, to dig into the earth into finding the family roots. So that means that God is gonna search, God is gonna find you and he's gonna find exactly where you fit in his family. You know my sitting down and my rising up. You understand my thought afar off. You comprehend my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. That word acquainted in the original language is those who live with anyone in the same house, becoming very familiar with them. I love this, a friend of the king. Say, I'm a friend of the king. Say, I'm a son of the king. I'm an heir of the king. Oh my gosh, am I the only one that gets excited? I don't know. (sighs) For there is not a word on my tongue. There is no words. That's why we speak in tongues. But behold, oh Lord, you know it all together. You have hedged me behind and before and laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. I cannot attain it. It's all dependent on Jesus. Where can I go from your spirit or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there, your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall fall on me, even the night shall be light about me. Indeed, the darkness shall not hide from you, but the night shines as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to you. I love this. For you formed my inward parts. I read all that for this part right here. (laughs) For you formed my inward parts. And that word form means to get, acquire, create, buy, possess, A lot of theologians argue back and forth because it's the same picture for when God said, let there be heaven and let there be earth. Isn't that crazy? When God created you, he used that same power. When you were born, God used that same power he used to to create everything into existence. That, That alone just brings so much confidence to me. That alone, I'm like, man, who cares if I blew it today? I was created by this wonderful God that knows every part of me. God, why do I feel the way that I feel? You covered me in my mother's womb. That word cover is to protect. The picture is like a hedge is made to protect a garden. It's not oh man, I love that. A, a hedge, when you actually make it, it's meant to protect against the wind, predators that want to eat and destroy the garden, and even noise. You covered me in my mother's womb like a hedge. Oh. how many of you guys know that God wants to protect you right now? How many of you guys want to know that God created you like he created the heavens and the earth and he is protecting you because you are his what? You are his sons, you are his heirs, you are already in. I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Oh, you ready? I got to use an accent for this because I got to say it right. Marvelous, marvelous are your works. That word marvelous is to do extraordinary or hard or difficult things. Be beyond one's power. (sighs) Isn't that good? That makes me feel good about moments where I'm struggling. it, It helps me understand, is this something beyond my own power? Is this something that I have to lean into my father for? Is this something that's already available to me, but this is an area where I get to create an even deeper relationship with God? because you formed me in my inward part, because you're protecting me, because you made me marvelous, because I'm one of your works, and that my soul knows very well, my frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully through in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance, your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. So I just really want to clarify substance there. Substance is an embryo still being perfected. So your eyes saw me as an embryo being perfected. And that word substance is different than Hebrews 11.1, where it says faith is the substance. The word there in Hebrews 11.1 for substance is the word fabric or material or the quality of a person. So when God imparts something to you because you're his heir, because you're his son, because you're already in, because you don't have to work for this. That substance that he puts in you, that fabric, that material, that quality of him that he's putting inside of you literally changes you from the inside out because he knows exactly how you were made. And this part still kind of confuses me. And in your book, they were all written. The day's fashion for me. when as yet there were none of them. And I think I skipped one. We should have skipped one. But 17, did we say that one? How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God. How great is the sum of them. Oh, here it is. I got it. How precious are your thoughts to me, O God. How great is the sum of them. 18, if I shall count them, they would be more in number than the sand. When I awake, I am still with you. Pause right there. How many of you guys have ever woken up and you're like, God, where are you? I mean, have we read Psalms? Do we know we're already in there with him? Do we know that we have an inheritance, we are sons with him, that he's putting substance in our life? And when I wake up, I am still with you. Let's jump to 23. This is beautiful. This is a beautiful prayer. And you you shouldn't be afraid to pray it. 23, search me, O God, and know my heart. Remember that word search, dig into the earth until you find the family roots. Dig into me until you find where you are, where I belong to you. This is is beautiful. Are you ready? Try me and know my anxieties. Kind of hard to give God your anxieties when you don't think you're already in. When you're trying to work to get to a place where you're finally able to give this to God. Where once you're already in, you're like, God, what do you want to do? If I'm supposed to be dependent on you and not dependent on my anxiety, how do I give this to you? And what do you give me in return? What is the substance that you give me? What is the change of identity that you give me? You guys okay? 24, and see if there's any wicked way in me. That word wicked, I was like, oh man, I'm a bad creation, kind of contradicts what he just said about (laughs) that I'm marvelous. So I looked up the word wicked, and it means to have pain or sorrow and see if there's any pain or sorrow in me. The other word there is idol. And I love what uh, Pastor Kathy and 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 Nate, (laughs) I call him Rooster, Nate spoke about last week. It's anything I commune with other than God. That's what an idol is. Anything I have relationship with that's other than God. And you can have relationship with anxieties. You can have relationship with works. And that's kind of what happens here is you're limited. You're in bondage. Okay, are you guys good? I just really wanted to give you Galatians 4 and Psalms 139. Hopefully you're not bored reading the Bible. So I just wanted to get the words from Psalm 139, 14, that we are fearfully and wonderfully and marvelously made by God. Because of Pastor Gavin's teaching, I was like, okay, he's telling me about the spirit and then he's telling me about the brain. He's saying that my brain is an organ, but sometimes my brain is doing some wacky things. So I'm like, is my brain bad? Because Psalms 109 says that I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. And then Holy Spirit, I had to go to Holy Spirit and talk to him because I have relationship with him the same way I would have relationship with my grandma. She gets to tell me everything she's done with the house. She, God is able to come and say, this is the way that I made your brain. I made your brain to be this amazing computer that makes life easy for you. The thing with this computer is we soak up information because we're meant to depend on God. But until God comes into our life, we're stuck depending on situations that happens to us, right? Can I get an amen? Like, like, am I the only one that's like that? Like, that literally has to go to my father and be like, God, there was this trauma that happened in my life. What? Where were you? What did you want to do for me? How are you supposed to depend for me? But now that I know him, now that I'm not working for that, God immediately is like, this was the actual design for that. So our brain is doing that. So this is the thing. The thing is that our brain is an amazing organ and Holy Spirit gave me this. My lungs are an organ. Say lungs. So I started looking up lungs. I'm like, okay, if my lungs are an organ, what does my lungs do? Fun facts about about lungs. They're actually really cool. Okay. They have a lot of jobs. I thought it's just like, that's all my lungs do, right? And they kind of, hang up space. And when I feel fat, I'm out of breath. Okay. That's what I thought my lungs for, but your lungs, I was doing a little Google search is it moves air obviously. Right? So it's responsible for exchanging carbon dioxide and oxygen. Let me tell you what it does. Every, every 60 seconds, you do 12 to 20 breaths. Isn't that a lot? So literally I stopped and I was like, one, two, three, four, five. And I was like, Oh my gosh, my lungs are doing this without me having to think that's actually marvelous. (laughs) That's great. That's incredible, right? It's it's, it's doing something with carbon dioxide and oxygen, something that I can't see, yet it's bringing life to me. What about God's substance? Like to me, that was just a great example of God's faith into me. It's easy as breathing. It's easy as carbon dioxide and oxygen. It breathes into me. My lungs know what to do with it. It changes my blood. It changes who I am. I breathe in. I'm alive. I'm no longer dead. You guys good? It produces sound. Are you ready? It's so cool. So our vocal cords, they're cool, but they're not the reason we can communicate to each other. It's our lungs. Our lungs push the air into our vocal cords. Our vocal cords vibrate because of the air that the lungs are producing. And that's how you're able to understand me or not understand me. Isn't that cool? And it's all doing without us talking. It's marvelous. (laughs) And it also protects us. It protects us from any pollen, any unwanted particles, any dust, any viruses, any bacteria. It's wonderfully made. Beautiful organ. This is cool too. I didn't know this. It regulates our pH levels, whatever that is, and our acidic levels. I knew what that was. It also regulates our blood volume, and this is my favorite part, and our blood pressure. Isn't that amazing? It's marvelous. God created that wonderfully. So God was telling me, he was like, your lung and your brain, dirt organs. How silly would it be for me to try to live and try to get my identity, who I am, from my lungs? It's just an organ. That's incredible. That's marvelous. Same thing with my brain. I can't allow my brain to tell me who I am because it's constantly searching information and taking information, the good and the bad. I have to filter that through my father, whom I'm already in with, who is, who says that I am an heir and I'm no longer in bondage, that I am dependent on. We're no longer dependent on what the world is telling us, like the Galatians. We're dependent on the father who knows every part of us. Are you guys still good with me? right? It made me feel so good because then my brain is here, right? But our brain still works and it's really smart and we have habits that happen, right? So um, this is where Galatians 4 came about. I actually wanted to start running, okay? So I'm sitting there and I'm thinking about my lungs. I'm thinking about my brain. I'm thinking about my spirit. And I was like, God, I miss running. Can we go on runs? And, um and oh, oh, this this is the funny part. He was showing me of like, okay, my lungs are my flesh, just how my brain is my flesh. And it's not a bad thing. It's actually a marvelous thing. Now that's under the submission of God, who is my father and can influence that, right? So then I started looking in the mirror and I'm like, man, God, I'm your flesh. This is your temple. This is your house. I'm marvelous. And then I lifted my shirt and I saw a lot of flesh. And I was like, oh Lord, what happened? (laughs) And then uh, Jackie and I watched this movie and they ate cannolis and Tony's is down the street. So I went and got cannolis every day and those cannolis hit me hard. And my lungs, my poor lungs that I used to work every single day at 5 a.m. go on these runs, go out there, be motivated, be an athlete. I thought it was incredible, run in the middle of the street because I could. And then I realized I hadn't ran in over six months. And I love to do that. So I was like, God, what happened here? And before I can even hear God say anything, my brain started telling me, oh, you're fat. (laughs) You got injured. You messed up your neck playing basketball. You messed up your your thumb playing football. And then you messed up your leg. You thought you tore your ACL playing football too. And I was like, oh yeah, I'm not a runner. I can't run ever again. The flesh is going to win. The flesh is going to take over. And God, the minute I stopped speaking, I heard, I just felt this in me. I felt this in my heart, in my spirit, where God and, God and I communicate, where, where I'm a son with him. I just heard you are a runner and you should read this book. And I was like, okay, I don't know where that idea came from. came out of nowhere, right? I was thinking about negative things and then something positive showed up. So I went, found this book that I didn't think I was able to read because I couldn't remember what my blood type was. And really, I knew my blood type was blood type O. I just didn't know if I was positive or negative. So I was like, that book is not beneficial. And I just felt God in my spirit say, it's okay, try to read it. And I read it and I was like, oh, I don't even need to know if I'm positive or negative or neutral, whatever it is. I just need to know that I was a blood type O. So I just start reading this book, and it's like telling me about um, that my blood type is made for what. Guess guess what my blood type is made for? It's made for running. It's made to have cardio in my life, and it's not made for cannolis, <laughs> you know. And I'm sitting there with Holy Spirit, and He was like, "I'm like God. You're right. I'm a runner. You created me to be a runner." And, I, and, and and then I'm, I'm getting this revelation with Galatians 4 about being an heir. And I'm thinking about my grandma. I'm like, it makes sense. I'm from Guatemala where, where, where these Native Americans used to run through the jungle to, to fight their, to find their, uh, their pig, to eat their protein, to get their fruit. I was like, I'm made to run. Ah, woo! You know, I'm like, I'm ready. Let's go. Let's do this thing. So then I go downstairs and I'm ready and I'm putting my shoes on. And then my brain was like, look outside, it's raining. And I look outside and it's raining. And I'm like, ah, today's not the day. Today's not the day. But because I'm an heir, because I'm already in, because I have a relationship with my father, what he, when he said that I am a runner, he actually, that was substance. That was his faith coming into me and changing me and saying, whoa, yeah, there's rain outside. Yeah, you've had these injuries, but I call you this. So guess what runners do? What do they do? They run. So guess what I did? I put these brooks that somebody paid for, tied them up. And I went outside and started running. And I'm out there and I'm getting it. And how many of you guys ever get excited when God gives you a word and you're like, yeah, I'm on fire. I'm on fire. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh my gosh, where is he? He left me. He abandoned me. And then you just start thinking about all the thoughts. You start thinking about all your accomplishments because I'm running out there. And I'm like, yeah, I used to be in the military. I used to run 12 miles easy. There used to be a tsunami happening and I'll still go out there and run. And then I made it all about me. And I left God out of it. I started thinking about how great I am, which isn't a bad thing, but I need to, it's, it's so much better when I know how he created me. And, and as soon as I started running, I started thinking, oh, my injuries, all oh, my flesh. And all of a sudden my steps felt so heavy. And running up this hill hurt. And even though I had read about my lungs being amazing, they started to burn. And my brain started to take over. But the substance that God gives you never diminishes and never goes away. And so our, my awareness shifted and I went straight to God and I was like, God, what do you say? You're a runner. We're reading the song, you're a runner, you're a track star. Okay, it's old, but whatever. So I started running and, and God was like, you're a runner. And I'm like, you're right. What else do you want to tell me? What else do you want to communicate to me? What what other substance, what other quality, material, fabric? What what uh, a part about you, an identity about you? What else do you want to put inside of my heart? What how else do you want to change me? And that's when he was like, "Let me show you Galatians four. Even more, you're a son. This is in your blood. Remember, that's why we read the book before you went out. Your blood loves this." Even though your brain is telling you otherwise, I created you this way. I marvelously created you this way. So this run is easy. And guess what? I'm running and I'm going and and it's so much fun. And I'm like, I'm running in the street. And he was like, stop. He was like, your motivation is different now. The reason you were able to get up before was because you were trying to fight stress. But now you don't need to fight stress because you're already in. You're at peace. And if you're at peace, that means you're a son. So sons don't need to run in the middle of the street because they created a sidewalk for you. So I get on the sidewalk, but a part of me is like, no, God, I want to rebel. I want to do my own thing. It, it feels good to be in the middle of the street and cars have to go around me. It makes me feel like I'm in control. But in the street, it's not safe. In the sidewalk, I felt like I was boxed in. And God was like, that's the difference between a child who is unskillful and a slave who's in bondage over a son who has freedom. I love it. Uh, Paul said, even though, I love this. Uh, Verse one, now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, does not differ at all from a slave, though he is master of all. So what happens when we finally accept our inheritance, when we're finally sons, when we finally allow to be dependent with God, what do we become? We become masters of all. Oh, my gosh, you don't understand. I know it's just a running example, but it changed my life because my body is telling me something different. The world is not operating the way that I wanted to run. But then God is saying you're a son, even though you feel boxed before when you were an orphan, it would slow you down. But now you're a master It's just a stepping stone for you. Rules are nothing for you now because you know, you don't feel like it's bringing you down. If anything, you're on top of them. So I start running through uh, on the sidewalk and guess what? All these cars start going and traffic starts happening and I'm safe. And I know I'm safe because my dependency isn't on me. My dependency is on my father that knows how he built me and he knows how he created the world. So then he gets to keep me safe as I go on a run. The God that created heaven and earth cares about my run. Oh, so I'm running And then I get on the trail and as I get on the trail, I see all these leaves around me and remember it's raining. So, so then I'm going and I'm like, I want to run through the leaves because I'm free because I want to feel free. And God's like, you're already in. You don't have to go through these things. You don't have to go through these struggles. Actually, it's dangerous for you. If you run through these leaves, you'll slip and you'll fall. An orphan that feels trapped is going to try to break the system. It's going to try to go and do things that makes them feel free, (laughs) but really it hurts them. But a son listens to his father and he's like, run down the middle, the path that I created for you. Even though you feel like you're boxed in, it's the safest route because you're a master of all. You're a master of all. That means these leaves are not masters over you. That means your stress is no longer a master over you. The reason you would wake up at 5 a.m. was to avoid anybody telling me what to do. But now I don't care about anybody telling me what to do because the master tells me what to do. The Lord tells me what to do. And that's so much free! Oh, my God. So I started running down the path, right? I'm getting it. I'm running. And then I'm like, you're right, God. I'm avoiding the thing. And then my Apple Watch is like, are you on a run right now? And I was like, no, I'm, I'm, I'm just praying with God. I'm exchanging thoughts with God. I'm having fun with God. I'm being a son with God. But I'll click it just to see. So I clicked it. I didn't care about the rings. Not even one, and so I'm running, I'm running, I'm running, and I get to where I normally get my my first mile, and it said, you know, mile one, yada yada yada, and I keep going, and the whole trail, I'm like, I'm not boxed in, I'm good, I'm not boxed in, and and it, this is the part that got me. This is the part that got me. Now the, the facts that my brain had that were against me now turned to a positive for me. As soon as I was done with my race, I mean, with my <laughs> with my run, I call it a race because I actually ran a 15 minute mile, like two miles. And I haven't done that since the military when I was talking about the 12 things, you know, the the, the 12 miles. And um, and I get there. And I'm like, I couldn't run this fast a year ago. And then my brain starts telling me, yeah, you did it. And you had an injury. <laughs> your neck hurt. Your thumb hurt. You thought you tore your ACL. you You feel heavier and you ran faster than you've ever ran before. How funny for my brain that was working so hard against me now works so well for me. So it's not that our brain is bad. Our brain is marvelous but it needs to be subjected under our father because our father tells us exactly what our brain needs in order for it to benefit us. And it helps you run a two mile way faster. So if God can show up when I'm running, what is God doing when you're on 66? What is God happening in the middle of your marriage? When you're in an argument with somebody, what's happening when you're sitting down with God and you're like, God, I don't even know if the Bible is real, but I'm giving you a chance. What happens when we're in worship and our thoughts are going everywhere, but we're like, no, we're just going to stay right here with you, God. I know my brain wants to go to the future and wants to go to the past, but I want to be here with you. What do you say? And then you allow him to impart faith. You allow him to speak to you. And the confidence that comes from his words changes your whole identity. I am no longer a person who was injured. I am now a what? Yes. And a runner. (laughs) That's okay. I like that. I'm a running son. Are you guys okay? Okay, I'm almost done. I just got really excited. Okay, so <clears throat> I love Pastor Gavin's message. Once I find out, once I found out that the way I need to connect with God is spirit to spirit, and the spirit to spirit influences my brain, and it works for me, not against me. So when it came to the Galatians. Um, It really got me with them because I was like, man, it's, it's hard having to work for something that you're already in. And the example that Holy Spirit gave me for you guys was two examples. Are you guys ready? One was this. One was you walked into the sanctuary tonight. Obviously, you guys did. You guys are sitting here. You're already in. You found your chair. You're already sitting where your chair is. Imagine trying to look for your chair and you're sitting on it. That's what it's like when we work <laughs> rather than knowing we're already in with God. We're trying to find something that we're already sitting on. Okay. The other example is this. Somebody gave Jackie and I a uh, dinner in a movie, right? They, they paid for our dinner and then they gave us a movie ticket and uh, two movie tickets. And it was for our five year anniversary, right? Five years, right, baby? Oh yeah. Okay. I got it right. I won't get in trouble. Oh, I'm a son. I don't need to get in trouble. We're good. Uh, <laughs> so then uh, so then we go to the movies and it was during Top Gun. So Top Gun was out and, um, and, and we go to the movies and obviously I go and they were like, it'll be blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, no, it won't be. I got a free ticket. And then I give them the ticket. And then we go in, I sit down and guess what? I start watching Top Gun and it's like shaking. It's the best surround system. It has a little recliner. I hit the little button and I went back Working for that, it was a free gift. I didn't have to work for any of that. What the Galatians were doing was this. They would sit in the chair. Someone told them you didn't pay for it. Even though it was a free gift, they would stand up and try to go and pay for something that's already been paid. They're stuck in bondage rather than enjoying the movie. Now they're trying to pay for something that's already been paid for them. And then they scam you and they, they, they want $50 for popcorn. You know, like you're just stuck there losing. You're stuck in bondage rather than enjoying the show, rather than enjoying the movie that someone else paid for. Are you guys with me? Okay, my, my encouragement to you guys is don't miss out on Top Gun right now. You're already in. You don't have to work for it. When it comes to the spirit, when it comes to the brain, when it comes to faith, if you have Jesus living inside of you, you're already in. You're already living in that house. The goal is this. You get to explore what's in the house. You get to go with grandma, with Jesus that lives inside of you and be like, what happened in this room right here? And you get to explore together. You guys good? Now I'm not saying you have to go and run two miles. That's not what I'm saying. But <laughs> I love you, PC. Uh, but, but since then, it's been so easy to run. My motivation has been so different. It has been from a place of sonship, rather from a place of stress and anxiety. Isn't that great? Yeah. So even when I came to speak to you guys, I was like, I'm already in. God already put the message in me. I'm already living it out. How I deliver it. Okay. God, help me out. I'm already in. Right? So much better. So how are you guys going to handle your night? As a son, as an heir. You're born. You're not created. You're born a son when Jesus came to live inside of you. You don't have to work for it. You're already in. Don't be like the foolish Galatians who were working for something that they already had. Okay? Yeah, yeah let's try to be simple. All right, close your eyes. Let's get this thing. Holy Spirit, show us how we're already in. Show us how we're sons. Shows how we're not orphans. If we are in bondage, if we feel like we're stuck at the movie counter rather than enjoying the movie, tell us why we're doing that. Thank you, God. And you know what, God? Thank you that this was all your idea. That you created us marvelously. With a marvelous brain and marvelous lungs. Most importantly, with with a marvelous way to connect with you, spirit to spirit, where you change our identity. And we're already in. We can start right now. We can start right now. Our whole life can change right now. So what is just one thing you want to show us that we're already in with? For me, it was that he's already very well pleased. With Pastor Gavin's message, it was that I already connect with him spirit to spirit. I'm not trying to work to connect with him spirit to spirit. I just do. I already am. He wants to speak with me. So thank you, Jesus. Thank you that you are the seal of approval and you live in our hearts, in our spirit, in our mind, and you're always wanting to talk to us. Thank you, Jesus. We just love you. Yeah, let it let it stay simple. Let it stay simple, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah. Jesus' name. Amen.